recovery is honestly 50% of it. It's like the, the actual breakdown and then there's the rebuilding and the repair. So that's why it's often so misunderstood mm. and you don't realize that it's just a huge part of building muscle is the recovery because you can't just keep breaking down, breaking down, breaking down. You have to also go into that recovery state. Um, and I think the way I like to put it with recovery is how can you get into that recovery state or that anabolic state quickly so that your body can go straight to repairing your muscles. So you'll take a lot of people who, let's say someone goes 6am class, they smash themselves. They obviously get some tears in their muscles and that, and then they jump in their car, they smash a protein shake. So their digestive system's like not even in a good place. They're in their car rushing to work. They start work. They have an argument with their boss. They're going crazy. Like none of that is facilitating recovery. So what that's doing is just keeping you sympathetic, 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 which your body cannot start that process. Welcome to the Weight Loss for Women podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can eat more, train less, and lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and Saturate, creator of pro-metallic food supplements and seriously saturated skincare. And today I have our amazing friend Libby Wescombe on the podcast. Just love her. She's super knowledgeable and hot. Go check her out. She's such a great example of you can actually look good naked and be healthy too. So like us, she loves to strength train and she loves to talk about building muscle. But today I wanted to get her on the podcast just to talk more about some of her favorite topics, which are recovery, HRV, and cardio. So um, one thing actually that Libby introduced me to was this zone two cardio for recovery. So something that I'd never, ever done before. So I'd always just, you know, smash myself with a ton of hit classes and hit style training, which wasn't actually true hit. Um, and also lots and lots of running and running and running and running. So um, Libby actually introduced me to these recovery sessions, probably about six month, months ago. And I gave it a crack, but I gave up after about, I don't know, six weeks because I tried to do it on um, the the bike, the RPM bike. And I think I just found it so soul destroying because I was just, you know, I did all that RPM and I just, it just wasn't that enjoyable. So I gave up and then I, one day I was at the gym and I thought, you know what, I'll try this on the cross trainer and I actually really loved it. It was enjoyable. It was easy. Um, so then I thought, you know what, I'm going to try this again but I actually bought myself a cross trainer for home. So now since we recorded the podcast, I've consistently done one zone two cardio session uh, every week for probably about eight to 10 weeks now. And the biggest thing that I've noticed is the reduction in the soreness in my legs. So I will usually do my big leg session on Monday and then I do my recovery session on Wednesday. And then by Thursday, fully recovered and you know all the soreness is gone, which is awesome because we all know that I love to push hard in the gym. And so obviously if I can recover, then I can build more muscle. So yeah, super excited um, about about that and just really excited for Libby just to talk more about, um, yeah, recovery, HRV and cardio and how it can help you um, and the, I guess the types of cardio that can help you with recovery. So as always, please uh, take a screenshot of the episode and share it on Instagram stories and tag me at K-I-T-T-Y-B-L-O-M-F-I-E-L-D. Um, with your biggest takeaways and each month I pick a winner. So I pick someone who shared and you'll get, you'll go into the draw to win a tub of saturate premium collagen. Oh, hi Libby. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. 
So Libby's been on the podcast a few times before. Um, so I would recommend going back and listening to those episodes. So the initial one was a group one that we did with like heaps of other people. So that one's good. But the, I think the better one to listen to is the one that she did with Craig on um, the healing pounds. So like go and follow Libby. She's awesome. She's so jacked and muscular and strong, which we love. <laughs> super knowledgeable on all things um, building muscle and recovery and HRV, and which we're going to talk about today. But um, something that we both have noticed that women come to us that they've found pro-metabolic eating and they don't track their food and then they just gain a shit ton of weight or the healing pounds. And so Craig and Libby did a really great podcast on that around, you know, are the healing pounds actually necessary? You know, when are they necessary? How much is necessary? You know, how can you minimize fat gain while also improving your health markers? So I really, we've had lots of great feedback on that podcast. So I think if you're someone who is new to this space or has experienced fat gain um, and a lot of it, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> then you should go back and listen to that don't you think do you have anything else to add to yeah. that before we start um i just have to add that i've heard like a lot of feedback on that podcast as well in my like on instagram messages and that and it's been really really helpful for people who have been in that situation where they put on unwanted weight so yeah i think it's definitely worth a listen mm. yeah and like you can get healthy and lose body fat like we've had clients all the time that work with both of us who eat the calorie deficit yeah. And improve all their health markers at the same time. So I don't, I think it's just this blanket statement that you can't lose body fat and get healthy is not, it's just definitely not true. Um, and I've also seen people get healthy without gaining the healing pounds. Yeah. Like same. A pretty poorly, met, a poor metabolic state, quite, you know, obviously low temps, low everything. Mm. And I've helped them improve their health and build muscle without gaining healing pounds. So it just definitely yeah. can be yeah, but you got to be willing to track your food. Same. Yeah. We're the same. Like there's clients. I sent a testimonial of this lady. She's like 60. And she was one of those women who was genuinely restricting. You know, she was eating 1,200 calories. She was tiny. Yeah. I think we got her up to 2,000 calories, improved all her health markers. She didn't gain any weight. Yeah. You know, but she was meticulous in her tracking with her yeah. food. So I think you just have to ask yourself, like, am I willing to gain the body fat? Do I want to gain it? If you don't want to gain it, then you've got to be willing That's to just, no. yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, like both of us, in our programs, we'll teach you some ways to make it much less stressful. So proactive tracking instead of reactive tracking. So I think a lot of women, Libby probably will agree with this is like I used to be where I would just be in the MyFitnessPal every fucking day, mm-hmm. tracking on the fly, eating 1200 calories, cutting sugar and carbs. So of course I just associate it with misery yeah. and obsession. Whereas now, you know, I'm eating way more food. I plan ahead. I eat foods I enjoy. And it's quite empowering. I think that you Libby, knowing that you have the control and the power over like I know exactly what I need to do if I want to gain muscle, lose body fat, state maintenance. Like it's really cool having that knowledge. And that knowledge is power for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think we'll probably talk about this a bit more on recovery, but having that stability in life is huge for recovery as well. Mm. And without the tracking, oftentimes you're going to be a lot more like chaotic with your food and your meal mm. timing and all that. So just bringing that stability in, which it's, you know, it's underrated for health, but having mm. that routine and that stability, even if you're not talking about body composition goals. So there's like so many different reasons why tracking can be beneficial for people as well. Um, mm which doesn't just have to be fat loss, but it's so empowering. And I think like Libby, you'll hear both Libby and I and Craig often talk about so many, like we really hammer home these basic concepts and principles and like, you know, anything that you'll learn in our programs that you do, it's, we do the same thing. Like I was telling a lady, I'm like, I'm still here nine years later, prepping the food, 
you know, yeah. doing my training, doing my steps, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes yeah. I do some of Libby's recovery sessions, which we'll talk about and talk about the different types of cardio and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, like these basic things, like we, I think women want there to be this magic pill, mm-hmm. you know, like, but it re- and obviously there are nuances to it. Like I don't want to take away from what Craig and Libby do as coaches because they are incredible and there are nuances, but I think the basic things, everyone does the everyone. basic things, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone. Yeah. And you can, you, you know, it's never going to get to a point where, oh, the basics don't matter anymore. Yeah. Like you get to a point in life where you can probably maintain without tracking and you can do, you know, but it's, you still got to have those basics in there. You got to still be strength training if you want to mm. keep that muscle or it's going to disappear. You got to still be, you know, eating enough food, but not too much eating enough yeah. protein, balancing your blood sugar. And these things just tracking is what teaches you how to do that to get to that point where you can do it without tracking, but the basics will never go away. And people think, I feel like some people think, Oh, when you get to the certain point, there's this end, this end point when everything can kind of just like be thrown out the window, <laughs> but you know, the basics are just life. Like yeah. accepting that is really important. Accepting that you'll always have to have some sort of routine in your life. If you want to be healthy, accepting totally. that you'll always want to have to strength train. If you want to have good body composition, and it's yeah. never, ever going to stop ever. Yeah, like I, I, sometimes I say to clients, I'm like, well, what do you think it is that you're going to stop doing that I don't do now? Like that's because when you get the results. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you're like, like you say, it's the habits, it's the behaviors. Like you look at that person that inspires you, you know, like what are the things that they do every single day? And even if you're not tracking your food, like you said, you still got to eat. You still got to eat enough protein. So how do you know you're eating enough protein? Like, it's not like you can just go back to skipping meals and fasting and doing all the shit that you did before. You so stop prepping, you can't stop <laughs> for yourself. You can't stop, you know, going for your walks. It's all just stuff that you have to schedule in for the rest of your life. And I think from a coaching, like for a tip for anyone who's going to get a coach, I think I would say, accept that these things, you're just going to have to make them a part of your life. Stop trying to think of it as an end, an end game when, you know, you're going to hit those magic numbers. And what, when you hit your hundred kilo back squat, you think you're going to get to stop training. You're just going to lose it all. Like accept in your heart, deep down that it's, it's just going to stay like this forever. If you want to be this particular person with this particular look and this particular health, those habits are just going to remain a part of your life. So get used to it, you know, get used to the process, bring them in. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. But you know what, though? Like, I feel like if you, once you start doing this, like, I feel a fuck ton better than I did when I was, like, fasting and drinking piss every weekend and training like an asshole, you know, like, doing all this hit training. Like, I just, like, even when we went on holidays, we didn't train because we went skiing. But, and we still ate well, but we ate, you know, like, not the normal food. Yeah, Yeah. like, and who gives a fuck because you're on holidays. But, like. When I got back, I was like, fuck, I'm so looking forward to just eating my my little meal plan up again, you know, got back into my training. I had the best sleep. You know, we're talking about having a good poo in the morning and like you're just, you feel happy. You feel Uh, balanced. Like it's a good feeling. And it's not to say that you don't like, you know, we still have some drinks sometimes, don't we, Libby? It's not like we never drink alcohol. never do anything fun. No. Just having the, I think it's the majority of your life should be routine and consistency. And then yeah. the occasional can be off the plan, but a lot of people yeah. have it the other way around. Yeah. It'll be like consistent for one week and the rest of the next three weeks is just chaotic. And yeah. so you've got to kind of get those percentages, right? Yeah. 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 And it, it is more than you're inconsistent. That's right. That's right. And it really does still blow my mind. Like I was telling Libby about these clients that are working with um, Craig and they talked to me in the off week and like, they were just, 
like saying, oh my God, I can't believe how good I'm feeling. I'm sleeping through the night and all he's doing, not to downplay what Craig's coaching ability, but like he's just getting them to do the basics, like eating the right amount of calories. They're losing weight. They're balancing their blood sugar. They're prioritizing their bedtime. You know, they're going their walks. They're eating the nutrient dense food. And it's like this, you know, they can't believe that they're suddenly losing weight. And you think that it's this magic pill, but it's just those basic things done consistently. Yeah. Yeah. And you would see the always, same. They're not easy for people to, it's not easy always for people to do that though. Yeah. But once they do it, they, like you said, they feel really good. And mm. I always say it's not easy, but it's simple. It's really mm. simple. But it, they eat, the hard part is people have, you know, they want to go off and do their own little things. They don't want to follow the plan. They don't want to do the basics. They, you know, but once you do it, like you said, you'll feel night and day difference. And like there's that routine that actually brings, I, I often tell people as well that routine brings safety to the body. Like, um, it makes you feel safe because you, your body wants to be, it wants to be at homeostasis. So that routine is safety to your body. So if you even just come at it from a health perspective, you're bringing in more safety. Like, why would you not want to do that? You know, mm. you don't want to be in fight or flight all the time. Mm. You want safety. So, yeah. Yeah. It's good. Right. Like, come on guys, just get your yeah. shit together and <laughs> trust us. Like you feel like a million bucks and then you'll have the tools to like, know that if you put on yeah. If you put on a little bit of body fat, like say if you go on a holiday and you're overindulged, which you might do and have some more alcohol and eat some cake and whatever, and you put on some body fat, it's you'll know what to do to get it off. You don't have to do drastic things. You have the tools and the knowledge. And it is it is actually really simple, isn't it? So simple, yeah. yeah. And once, like you said, once you know how to track, once you've developed these yeah. skills, because they are skills, some of them, once you've developed them, you'll have it for life because you can then, like you said, anytime, because I do also teach my clients like, you know, things to keep an eye on to make sure it doesn't get out of control again. And that's when, you know, you want to go to maintenance, but these few things you can keep an eye on. And then if you do see something pushing a trend that you're not happy with, you can just pull it right back. And it's not going to be as huge of a process to lose 20 kilos as it is to just lose that one kilo or to tighten up your training again or whatever it mm. is. So, yeah, that's- yeah, that's right. Like if you wait, you know, like we weigh, like we, re- both of us, right, recommend you weigh yourself every day. And that tree is the fuck out of a lot of women. Uh, many people, yeah. Yeah, but look, I was the same, but, but because the weight would always show me my inconsistency, like, but once I started to get consistent, I didn't matter what the weight said because I knew I was consistent. So it just didn't matter anymore. And obviously, like, there's so many things that can affect your weight. Even when I did this calorie deficit thing with, you know, where I, I think I lost like I was looking at the other day five kilos and about 6% body fat. And there were days when I ate exactly because I ate nearly exactly the same thing most of the time. My weight would fluctuate. Mm, yeah. So, but it's like you just, I think, and once you get on there every day, you just, it just becomes a number. Mm. It's not this like, Oh my God, I'm There's so no emotional meaning anymore because it's literally like, well, we're going to compare this week with last week and the week yeah. before we're not even caring about the day to day. It's just yeah. a trend that we're looking yeah. at. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I like, sometimes people post on Instagram, like, Oh my God, I weighed myself today randomly and it triggered <laughs> me again. And then I, I fail away. And I'm like, wait, why did you weigh yourself randomly? Like if you're going to, I would say don't weigh yourself at all rather than weigh yourself randomly, literally or just do it. the scale away. If you're not going to use, if you're not going to use it properly. Because That's if you're right. not going to use it properly, there's no point, honestly. And then, you know, of course, it's going to trigger you. It's going to make you emotional. So either do it even three days a week is okay. Like three days yeah. a week to get the average. That's fine. But yeah. once every two weeks or once a month, like, please just throw it away if you're going to do that. Because that's irresponsible use of the scale, as I say. <laughs> like, you're going to the hell out of you. Because what if you just had like a really big leg day the day before? You yeah. ate extra carbs and you freak out and then you change your whole entire thing when things are actually going well. But because you don't have this, the proper scale data to tell you, 
you know, change your trajectory and, you you know, you could have been making amazing progress. That's right. That's right. And I think it's just, yeah, like the, and you know, like you and I now trying to like gain weight, you know, like you want to see the the scales go up. Oh, it's yeah. such a shift from like before. And I was like, oh, I've yeah. got to be 62 kilos. You know, I've got to be tiny. I'm like, fuck, I want to get to 70. I want to get to 70. You know, yeah. like it's, it's this interesting, but I think, you know, like once you sh- like say you shift your perspective and you track things properly. And so many of the clients in our program say now they're like, oh, wow. From weighing myself every day, I don't, don't get triggered anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like it, takes away, it takes away yeah. that emotional attachment to it. It's really yeah. actually quite helpful. Even my sister. So my sister, like I love my sister and she doesn't really like, she doesn't strength train. I keep trying to get her. She just does her little sprints on the treadmill and she, <laughs> and she, which is be, 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 better than fucking going running every day, like long, hard runs or whatever, but she doesn't do any strength training, but she's just like, she weighs herself every day. And if she notices that it's going up, she just pulls, like she'll drink less, exactly. they have less takeaway. Like she doesn't do it like we do it, but similar type concept. 100%. It's like she just pulls it in and doesn't have so many like, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I love that. You that's a really good way to live like a lifestyle friendly yeah. way, you know, because you're always going to be dieting or having these crazy lifting goals, but you know, you still want to have these little like touch points, I guess. Yeah. Keep an eye on things just because, like, if someone's honestly, if they put on 30 kilos in like two years, some sometimes I question, like, okay, so were you not self aware? Like, you know, you see that shit happening. Like, it's obviously not healthy to do it that quickly. So, you know, maybe you think the opposite extreme is to go and weigh yourself every day and, and do this big deficit and track all your macros and train, but you could really just have a few things there to help you out. Like a pair of pants that aren't stretch pants that you can try on. And like, if they're, if you're literally busting out of them and you can't fit them, like, I mean, I don't know about you, but I would be like, Oh, I should probably pull back somewhere. Like, otherwise it's just going to keep happening. It's going to get worse and worse. And why would anyone want to gain 30 kilos in two years? Because they're just going to eventually want to lose that. Totally. And you know what I think though, Libby, and I don't know if you find this too with clients, a lot of women that I speak to, it's, they are aware they're doing it, but they're stressed and they just use Mm. alcohol and food as a coping mechanism. And they're like, they say to me, I've just got to the point where I know, like, you know, and I used to use alcohol like really to cope like I'd be stressed and I'd drink and then I'd binge eat and then I'd just starve myself as a control mechanism so I think you know like obviously we're not ways of of coping yeah Yeah. we're not psychologists you know what also that's interesting because I feel like a lot of times they also want to run away from the thing like a scale weight so therefore or tracking macros so therefore they're using it by saying it's triggering it's actually just hey I just want to avoid facing this this issue. other issue I'm having yeah. in my life. Like, I mean, we all do that with other things. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I'll, I might, you know, I might want to distract myself. So I'll buy something online. <laughs> I might wanna, like it's a small version of it, but it's the exact same. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. There's something to be said for facing things head on. Totally. I hundred percent agree. hundred percent. And I feel yeah. like, would you, do you agree that like when they actually start tracking their food and they sleep and they feel good, they're like, okay, I feel well enough and have the energy to actually face shit now face the other shit yeah 100 because it's an energy game it's literally yeah. an energy game like you're taking it away from somewhere you're taking this mental stress of it's always going to be playing on your mind and putting you in that fight or flight if you're gaining weight for example you're not happy with your body you don't feel comfortable but yet you want to run away from it it's still there playing on your mind you're just totally. it's an avoidance mechanism it's like a free state so if you're if you get rid of that and you face it, imagine it's going to free up that energy for other things in your life. Oh, it's life-changing. So much, yeah. So life-changing. Awesome. Yeah. And you know what? Like, 
and I'm fine with saying this and I'm sure you'd be the same, that when you fucking look better, like, and I mean do it in a healthy way, you feel more confident. Like, you know, we're not in our program, like we're not about getting you shredded. We can if you want to, if that's your goal, if you want to get really lean, you can. But most of the women in our program come in and they just get to within the healthy body fat range and put some muscle and they feel really good. We've got some women like you probably have much more women that get leaner, but it's like you just see their confidence improve. Like, they feel good in their clothes. In life. It's, it's, yeah. it's, I can see it in their happiness levels. Like they'll yeah. write their mood. They, I get them to rate their biofeedback. And one of those things is their mood. And as they, as they increase, you know, their results, whether it's getting stronger, more muscle, losing fat, their mood's improving. And it's directly correlated. Like we can't yeah. deny the mental health of the mental benefits of feeling good in your own body. Like, yeah. like you said, it's not an extreme thing we're trying to promote, but it's just that overall it's part of health as well so self you know all of that totally and I'd be so lying if I said I didn't like the way that I looked from strength training I fucking love being muscly but you and me always messaging Amy too and I'm like I just can't need more muscle like just want to have more muscle like it's I I think it's sexy some women say to me on calls I don't want to be as muscular as you kitty I'm like don't worry it's pretty hard to get pretty muscly but like you feel good you feel strong you feel capable you you know you fit into your clothes and you can be leaner and healthy. You can. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's a misconception too, just because I think there is a lot of women in the fitness industry that starve the fuck out of themselves and like, they're you know, they're, extreme. yeah, but yeah. you can maintain a leaner physique and lots of muscle and eat more food. You have to just be di- really diligent yeah, with things. And put muscle on because that helps. That's right. Yeah. And get stronger. Yeah. yeah. The more <laughs> muscle you have, the leaner you can be without having issues, I would say. Agree. Because you look leaner too, don't you reckon? Like you can sit it at the higher body fat. Yeah. Yeah. And also you still have the mass. It's just in the form of muscle. So it's, you're not completely like starving yourself of energy. You're still eating, still fueling, you're doing all of that, but it's just that you've got more muscle, which is more expensive. So you have to feed yourself more. That's right. Which is so exciting. Like who doesn't want to eat more food? (laughs) Always. (laughs) My entire goal in life. (laughs) I agree. Oh, okay, fuck. We need to get on talking about recovery. What we got? To, okay, so what I'm going really to really light up when we talk about muscle. When you yeah, say people right. tell me that they're like, your whole face lights up, and I'm like, yeah, it's exciting. We like send each other videos. Like Libby sends me because I can't do step back lunges because I've got this like fuck toe. And we were messaging, so I was saying, oh, got to get to eighty. Like 80 kilos is the fucking, and she's up to like 75 now. And I'm so jealous. I'm like, oh man, I just want to be doing step back lunges. And we just get so excited, like sending the videos, the, yeah, the lifting videos. It's very exciting. Um, See, you could feel as excited as us, everyone. Like it's really, it's yeah. cool. A good hobby. It is a good hobby. It's way better. Like Craig's like, you know, you got a bit of an obsessive personality kid. It's much better that you're obsessed with lifting than you are with drugs and no, alcohol. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Let's, so. Today I'm going to pick Libby's brain about because she loves recovery. This is her, I would say, apart from muscle, these are her in the top five of her favourite things to talk about. So I've got, we're talking about three. So I'm just going to ask you questions as we go along, thinking about what people ask me. So recovery, HRV, and then cardio. So cardio is something I really want to talk to you about because I think um, like you say, yeah, people are confused and also too like from my understanding from what I've learned from you is it's the type that matters and the dosage. Mm-hmm. So uh, we can talk about where we think women go wrong and what yeah. the benefits are of certain types of cardio and the duration, blah, blah, blah. So let's talk about recovery first. So it's funny, like when I talk to Craig about recovery, like sometimes like people are asking like how many days a week I can train, what should I do? And he's like, well, it's about what you can recover from. Yeah. He says to me. 
So talk about that. What, what does that mean? <laughs> so I think it's almost like a bit of an energy game, as I like to say it. And I get quite obsessive about this because so many people think that, you know, it's, it's just training and then it's just like rest of your life, but you also need to make sure that you have enough energy available for recovery from the training. Mm-hmm. So you can train as much like you can train like four days a week, five days a week, or you can train two days a week and you can still not recover. If you're not prioritizing, you know, you're eating enough. Obviously it starts with that, but even things like making sure that the rest of your life is geared towards recovering from that training. Can I just ask you a quick question just before you dive into it? So you don't actually build muscle in the gym. Is that correct? When do you build the muscle? When you recover. So after you finish training your body, obviously it's actually inflammation that happens. So inflammation is really, really bad, but you actually, your inflammation increases during a training session. So, so you lift, lift the weights and it, it puts like tiny tears in the muscles. muscles. Yeah. And then yep. they have to basically rebuild. Yep. And in order to prevent that, so your brain's obviously sending a message to your muscles saying, Hey, you know, we need to be bigger and stronger because you like that. <laughs> here. Yeah. But you got to become bigger. You got to become more resilient to the same stressor that you just went under. Mm-hmm. And when you become more resilient to that stressor, your body then adapts. So that's an adaptation, right? And mm-hmm. then in order to get to the next part or the new adaptation, you need to repeat that process again. So mm-hmm. recovery is honestly 50% of it. It's like the, the actual breakdown and then there's the rebuilding and the repair. So that's why it's often so misunderstood mm-hmm. and you don't realize that it's just a huge part of building muscle is the recovery because you can't just keep breaking down, breaking down, breaking down. You have to also go into that recovery state. Um, and I think the way I like to put it with recovery is how can you get into that recovery state or that anabolic state quickly so that your body can go straight to repairing your muscles. So you'll take a lot of people who let's say someone goes 6am class, they smash themselves. They obviously get some tear in their muscles and that, and then they jump in their car, they smash a protein shake. So their digestive system's like not even in a good place. They're in their car rushing to work. They start work. They have an argument with their boss. They're going crazy. Like none of that is facilitating recovery. So what that's doing is just keeping you sympathetic, 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 which your body cannot start that process. So can you just talk quickly? What's sympathetic? First, like, what is that? If people don't know. Yeah. So we've got um, the ANS, which is the um, nervous system. It's actually the part of the nervous system that governs all like our, you know, subconscious things, things that we can't control. Right. And you've got the parasympathetic side and you've got the sympathetic side. So the sympathetic side is like the activating branch of your nervous system. So it it's called fight or flight. It makes you like get up and go if he has a lion chasing you. Right. Um, mm-hmm. If you're about to do a set of 10 back squats quickly and it's like the heaviest weight you've ever done and you're that little bit of nervousness, that's all sympathetic energy. Right. It's that side. And then you've got the parasympathetic, which is kind of more the deactivating branch. So this is where your body goes into rest and digest. Um, it's where you digest your food, right? It's where you, you know, when you're going into a deep sleep, you're very parasympathetic. It's all basically the anabolic processes or the rebuilding, repairing processes can only happen when you're in that parasympathetic state. Um, we do need both. We need the um, sympathetic state to basically get shit done to, you know, those weights in the gym. <laughs> You can't never be sympathetic because without the sympathetic state, there's never, there's never going to be any growth in any area of life. So you want to basically like how I understand is you want to stress the body and put that stress on it. You want to go into that. Yeah. And then repair. 
Yeah. Yeah. And the ones who are are the best at recovery or recover the best, whether it's an athlete or even whether it's someone who has a high level of resilience in life and they can be like, they can have like a high level of their business manager or their, and they're fine. They're not like, you know, stressing themselves to that point of burnout. The ones that are the best at it are the ones that are the most flexible with the nervous system. So they can go Mm. in and out and their bodies are very flexible. And that's what heart rate variability represents as well. Mm. Um, And yeah, you want to be able to go into sympathetic and be able to come straight back into parasympathetic. And you want to kind of, you know, have your body just do that when it knows it's time to repair and when it knows it's time to go and drive and be Mm. like more sympathetic. So yeah, what I like to say about recovery is getting into that recovery like stage or that recovery place after you train as quickly as you can is what's going to drive the most recovery. And they say the studies show that the 48 hours after a training session is where the best things happen in terms of like becoming very anabolic and building new muscle and growing. So think about it. If you can get into that state quicker, then you will have even more muscle gains. You'll be able to build more muscle. You'll be able to also, you know, get to your next session fresher and repeat the process because it does come down to, you know, obviously volume isn't everything it's intensity, but you need that frequency as well with training to be able to keep building muscles. So the quicker you can get into that state, um, the better you'll recover. And I feel like there's plenty of people, like I said, who are just, you know, rushing around, rushing everywhere. And then they go the next morning and they back up another hit session and they back up another training session and they're likely not ever parasympathetic. And you can see it on there, like as a CrossFit coach, I used to be able to see it on people. Like they'd never build muscle. They literally would just like stay the same, the exact same. And they're training seven days a week. And, you know, obviously diet and all that's involved as well. But I think it's huge to be able to do those little things that you can do to get your body into that parasympathetic state. Even just being aware of it is Mm. very helpful. Do you know, maybe you can talk about this too. It's one thing I noticed when we were doing the you know, the fat loss phase, obviously I was not eating anywhere near as much food as I would normally eat. So one thing I noticed that obviously my training performance was massively impacted. Like I just couldn't push the numbers anywhere near as what I could. And Craig said to me, look, I know what you like. Like you have to just keep three reps in the tank. I don't care. Like just you, because you push, if you push yourself really hard, you're not, you don't have the fuel to recover. One day I just didn't listen to him. (laughs) Why am I not surprised? <laughs> I was like, oh, I feel really good. I'm just going to push it hard. And I did. I regretted it. The next day. Yeah. You couldn't was, recover. No. So I like was, I just felt like I'd been hit by a bus. Yeah. Like, so can you talk about that and what what's yeah. happening? So I would say in that case, it's more of just an energy and fuel mm. sort of situation. Um, like when we talk about the autonomic nervous system, that's actually kind of separate than the fuel and your nutrition and all of that. They're like two obviously important parts of recovery. So Mm -hmm. in your case, when you're in a calorie deficit or you're eating less calories than you have, you're actually in a bit of a catabolic state overall. Mm -hmm. Now this does also correlate with that sympathetic state, but you just don't have enough resources available to put towards the recovery. So you're going to have a harder time recovering. You're going to feel a lot more, you know, exhausted your body. You have less glycogen as well circulating. So obviously because you're eating less carbs. um, So you're not going to restore your glycogen levels as quickly as you would when you're eating at maintenance or in a surplus. So, you know, your goal would be then to just maintain as much as possible to keep moving, but not to necessarily push because then you're obviously breaking down 
and you're becoming more catabolic and then you don't have enough resources available to put towards the recovery. Like it's mm. again, it's another like extra bucket that you need to keep full because people mm. don't think of the buckets of the output. So what we're going to do to train and what we're going to do to move. And then they often think like in this, in the holistic space and the wellness space, which is really important. They think mm. about that bucket of all the um, internal things that are going on, like your menstrual cycle, your hair, you know, your nail growth, your digestive system, that obviously costs a lot of energy as well. So they think of those two buckets, but there's actually that third bucket, that's the recovery bucket. And you need to have extra in there if you're going to train hard to put the um, fuel towards recovery as well. So that's Mm -hmm. obviously being in a small surplus is super helpful for muscle gain because you just have that extra available. Which I'm excited about doing now. Because it's exciting, you can train hard. Okay, cool. So can you talk about then what are some other things that you can do to help improve your recovery so that you can build more muscle? Because obviously we all want more muscle. Yeah. Um, I think it's actually really helpful to look at the whole aspect of stress as a whole, not just training. Because Mm. if you're only looking at training, you might have like so much other stress going on in your life. And that's still going to affect you, even if you're eating enough, um, because it's taking up some of that recovery resources that your body wants to put towards building new muscles. So I like to think about it as like, we have a window of stress tolerance Mm. and all our stress tolerance can, you know, happen in there. If we have a very small window because we just aren't very tolerant or resilient at a certain point of too much stress, we'll just not be able to recover, whether that's stress from training, whether that's stress from like, you know, relationship problems, whatever Mm. it is. So we want to think about doing things that can help us widen that window a little bit. So it can help us get more resilient, Um, And, you know, these things, there's two different sides of the coin. You can have your sympathetic kind of stimulus type things, and then you can have your parasympathetic relaxation. Um, And it also depends on the individual and whether someone tends to be a little bit more sympathetic dominant, like really type A, go, go, go. They often need more of the relaxing, calming, breath work, that type of thing. But then I also have clients who are quite parasympathetic dominant. It's still a small window but they're more at the bottom. So you have the parasympathetic, the sympathetic at the top and the parasympathetic at the bottom. And they're more like, they turn into more of that lethargy that, you know, they get very like drawn inward. They don't, you know, they don't have any energy. Oftentimes what they actually need is more of a sympathetic based stimulus to kind of help get them out of that freeze state a little bit and back into building that window or increasing that resilience. So you can have two different types of things. I would say for, for, you know, most of the women I work with, something that's really helpful is breath work, which you've talked about on your podcast, breathing. So you introduced me to the breath work, breath work. So I um, did one of Libby's, uh, had to go at the recovery. Um, so like doing the zone two cardio yeah. And what I've realized is that I just don't, I don't like running and I don't like the bike very much. But I said to Libby, I'm like, look, I'm going to invest, maybe invest in a stepper. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> sometimes if I train too hard and push myself too hard, I'll go and get on that stepper and, you know, keep the heart rate, which she'll talk about in the zone two. And that yeah. actually really helped, helps me if I push really hard in training, I'm really sore. Um, but I think it, for me to do it consistently, I need to do it in a modality that I enjoy, you know, like, cause it's at least like not constantly think about when is this going to end? Yeah, that's right. Like on the bike, it's just like, oh, and it hurts your legs too. Like, you know, if you've done a leg session, but the step is really yeah. nice. Like it just doesn't. So anyway, Craig's like, are you going to fucking go out and spend 12 grand on a stepper so that you can do this <laughs> anyway? But with the breath work, <laughs> let me introduce you to the breath work. Um, and I ended up just doing it like at bed bedtime which I all do it every night and it's so good like it really I'll start by like reading my book and then I'll put it in my chest and I do it and I find that I often just fall asleep Mm, it's amazing yeah Yeah, it's so good like I find that's probably one of the you know the lower hanging fruits that anyone can do I mean it's easy too 
free. It doesn't yeah. pay money, just like walking. Yeah. Um, it's easy. You can always make time for that. Like if you can't make time for five or 10 minutes of breath work before bed and when you wake up, then, you know, you have other problems. So yeah. I think that that's something everyone should start with breath work. And um, the reason why it puts you in that parasympathetic state is because you're intentionally slowing your breath. So in the sympathetic state, you obviously have much quicker respiratory rate. So it's much faster your breathing. When you're intentionally slowing it, it can help switch your body into that state. So you're almost tricking your body and then it actually goes into that state. And obviously it feels amazing too, like it calms you and everything. So I would say even I like to get my clients after they train, if they have a bit of time to spend time doing a cool down and then I get them one part of the cool down after they do like a little bit of foam rolling or stretching or whatever they like. It's mm -hmm. just lay on their back and elevate their feet onto a box and do like five minutes of breathing box, breathing drills where, you know, you do an inhale. It doesn't really mm -hmm. matter the exact seconds, whatever's comfortable for you. And then you hold it and then you exhale the same amount of time and then you hold it. So just as an example, Libby, would that be like four seconds in hold for four seconds four seconds out? Hold, hold for four seconds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the easiest way to remember. Cause you can start with two seconds. You can start with three seconds even. And if your heart is racing after training, which a lot of people can't seem to get their heart rate down, mm -hmm. um, that's a really good way to help get it down. And so what that this is doing is if you're doing it in the cool down is you're actually getting your body quicker into that recovery state or yeah. that parasympathetic state, um, to start the rebuilding process, because you also don't want to be eating your post-workout meal in a sympathetic state either. You want to try and calm down a little bit first, get your breathing down, feeling, you know, you can start to feel that sort of, okay, I'm feeling calm again after that training session and then have your post-workout meal because then it's the rest and digest state. So yeah, I feel like that's a big, a, a really good place to start is just after you train, like, what are you doing straight after you train? Are you, as I said, are you jumping into the car, smashing a protein shake and then flying off to pick up the kids from, you know, sports or going I swim and doing. Yeah. So yeah. if you just bring it Slow back down give yourself 10 minutes yeah yeah and you know what i noticed too like i'm not immediately hungry after my training session That's usually i'll come i'm yeah. at home so i'll come in and i fuck around for a bit and then then you know within some, like, 20 minutes it kicks yes. in and i'm like yes. oh, i'm ready now for the meal so then i'll just eat That's whatever fine. my yeah. yeah thing is okay that and that's a really simple easy thing that you can do so that what else yeah so you can also do you know um we can talk about this should we talk about the aerobics kind of yeah, side of things? yeah well, so talk about the uh because this might lead into the actually i just want to say one thing before we move on to that about the stress yeah. affecting like you know last year with the whole baby stuff like i was yeah, yeah. and you know you said about like you can eat so much food i was doing fucking everything i was eating so much food yeah. i was hardly like i was training but not training super hard i was walking every day but I was so stressed. Yeah. And I was waking up every night. My period yeah. was a mess. And so it just shows how much, like you say, that that emotional stress. And if you've got that shit going on in your life, whatever it might be, how much it can really drain you. So trying to sort that total, out. It's the total stress load. So I hope you're enjoying uh, this podcast as much as I did and all our little tangents that we're going off on. Um, but I just wanted to quickly jump in and uh, talk a little bit more our seven-day eat more, train less, get results challenge. So if you're new here and you haven't heard about our challenge, it is a great way to dip your toes in the water. So potentially you are a woman who was or who is like I was and who, you know, has cycled through restrictive diet after restrictive diet, you know, drastically cutting calories, you know, cutting sugar, cutting carbs, eating clean, you know, you've got cravings, you end up binge eating. Uh, and, you know, you may potentially have one or more of these uh, symptoms. So, you know, irregular and painful periods, um, cycle issues, PMS, menopausal uh, symptoms, you know, broken sleep, low energy, 
digestive issues, uh, low libido, uh, and you're probably just feeling a little bit obsessed about food. So uh, the seven-day challenge is a great introduction to what we do, and we're going to show you how you can actually eat more and eat all the foods that you enjoy um, and eat carbs and still lose weight, and you don't have to train six to seven days. Um, So what's included? Well, you will get a seven-day macro-balanced meal plan, um, which provides a rotational menu that you can immediately use, and all meals are macro-balanced, giving you four options to choose from. Um, which just keeps it really simple when you're getting started. But we also include a recipe book and food list with more ideas, um, as well as a MyFitnessPal how-to guide so that you can build your own meal plan. We give you two workout plans, one you can do at the gym and one at home, one for a beginner, one for more intermediate to advanced, full video exercise library, um, and then we've got some daily education videos and resources as well as access to a private Facebook book group and a metabolic health um, assessment as well as metabolic health markers tracker. We also give you our supplement protocols and discounts off our favorite supplements and you get access, a month's access to coaching calls with myself and Craig, all for the very low price of 27 Australian dollars. Also comes with the money back guarantee. So if at the end of the um, the 30 days or, you know, if you have it for 30 days and you don't believe you can get results by eating more and training less, then we will refund your money and you can keep the course. So I will drop a link in the show notes to purchase that. And uh, let's get back to the episode. That you have to take to, take into consideration when we talk about recovery. We can't just talk about stress from training because yeah. the body does not differentiate the difference, and it's that total load that you're trying to recover from. So, um, yeah, if you can sort your you know life out in terms of even just like any mental things that you're struggling with, um, I mean, it's hard. Like I get really affected by mental stuff too. Same. So I understand. Um, and you know, it's different for everyone as well. And I feel like people love to have like you know a very set things with like, so what can I do to recover? But everyone's different. And we can even bring this back to like an introvert versus an extrovert. Like for example, cause my daughter is an introvert as well. And so am I, and she often tells me like, she's got her first job now and she comes home and she's just like, I am so exhausted, mom. I can't handle seeing people anymore. Yeah, cause she's interacting with people all the time. And she's already feeling like, and so I told her, and she's, she's now repeats this to me sometimes. She, I told her that introverts actually restore their energy from being alone and extroverts restore their energy from being with people. So depending on who you are, you might find that you have an extra stress load if you have a job that involves being around a lot of people all the time and you're an introvert. That's mm-hmm. something to look at. If you're an extrovert, you probably actually thrive on that. And it, it actually like creates that stress relief for you. So it's really very individual. Like um, even just going working at McDonald's, out. hey, McDonald's. Yes. Which is so funny because I worked at McDonald's when I was young, and but yeah. I'm an extrovert and I fucking loved it. And mum yeah. and dad were like, stop working so much. You need to go and do your school work. Yeah. <laughs> it just shows you, right, like the different yeah. personalities and what, yeah. you know, like Craig's an introvert too. Like he's like yeah. you guys, like he's like, I just like to have my time where I sit upstairs in the man cave and play the PlayStation and don't fucking talk. That's to anyone. He, yeah. That's how he restores his energy. And yeah, it's very much a parasympathetic activity for him. Whereas, yeah. So it just depends. Um, and you know, like loud places, loud things, like I'll go somewhere and take like the Easter show, which is like super loud lights and rides and everything. We'll spend the whole day there. And my heart rate variability and my recovery will drop the next day. 
And it's so many different, it's so many different areas of life that you can look at. And if you know who you are and as a person and know yourself, you can mitigate these things or you can do what you need to do to help bring you back to that recovery state, that parasympathetic state, whereas someone else might not have that experience at all. And they might actually be really, really renewed and restored and ready to go after (laughs) thing that drains you. So it depends what drains your energy as well. It's so interesting. Hey. It really is interesting. Like Craig and I will talk about like, we'll go to a party and I'll be like, I'm so excited to just speak to all these new people. And I really get a lot of energy from meeting new people and chatting with them and finding out about them. And he's like, oh, a bit anxious, not anxious, but like. Social anxiety is a huge stressor as well. Um, My partner has that too. So yeah, I get it. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's totally different on the, depends on the individual. Um, Something else as well, which we kind of touched on before is that, you know, stability side as well. I think that if so, all the different like charts I've looked at from people's heart rate variability and my own as well, it's always going to be less, um, you know, so your heart rate, we'll talk about what heart rate variability is, but it's going to lower and that's going to mean you're less resilient if you have a, not a good routine in place. And if you're kind of, you know, maybe you're moving house or maybe you just can't get your routine right. Cause you just constantly are up and down. If you wake up at different times every day, the circadian r- rhythm really affects it as well. You, you wake up one morning at six, the next morning at nine and you go to sleep at 10 one night. And then at 12, like this, this really does affect your recovery again, mm-hmm. because it's like your body wants that safety and that homeostasis. And the more safe you can make your body feel the better it's going to be at building muscle and recovering because it's going to be able to say, Hey, you know, we're really safe. We can put this energy towards it. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're all, you know, chaotic and your schedule is always up and down and different and you don't have a good routine in place, you don't meal prep. So you buy takeout one day and then like all of this will affect your recovery as well. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot to be said for that stability as well, which I've seen in my own recovery and my own scores with my heart rate variability, but also in clients. The ones that are super routine are just, they just have better heart rate variability scores. They recover better. Totally. And I mean, like, it's not something like, because we've got the aura ring and I've, I never really track it closely because I've, but, you know, I take more notice of it now, now that I've obviously got to know you. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, you know, like I'll notice, you know, if I have some alcohol, mm, that's totally a goes yeah. shit, you know, like if you have a bad night's sleep, it goes shit. Or if, if I'm stressed about something, emotionally stressed, yeah. massively affects it too. Yeah. And like, it's just so interesting, like all these little things, you know, that like um, that affect it. Yeah. And you're like, you just, but I've also, again, was trying to say is that like, cause you know, Craig and I, we just love routine. Like we just love it. Like we're like, I just can't wait. Thrive on it. It makes yeah. it- Makes you it makes me feel happy to sleep good. You know, my training's like, we're just so happy when our training's going well and our sleep's going well. And we're like, I know that's not life for everyone. Like I know, you know, like I think you and I and, and Jamie and Craig are more set up. Like you've got, old, Ash is older. Like yeah. the mums who've got younger kids probably this is going, yeah, fucking great kitty. Like, <laughs> you know. But I still think you can do things to help yourself curate your life to be what you want to be like there's also like you know I mean nobody asked you to have kids like that was your choice so now you gotta you gotta like make your life as good as possible based around that because there's also that victim mindset a lot of times with mums and it's just like yes it's hard like I mean like I had a baby when I was 23 so um, I know it's it's really hard but you you also you know it's your life now so let's make it as let's make it as routine as possible let's teach the kids that after eight o'clock everyone's in their room with a book and there's, you know, and it's a matter of training your kids. Like I've seen some parents that are, have the most chaotic life with their kids. (laughs) And I've seen like my um, sister-in-law, she's like 
they're in bed, they're this, like, it's just, it's just the way it is. And that routine is awesome to develop in your kids at a young age too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But yeah, I get what you're saying. I think, I think though too, asking for help. Like I spoke to this lady yesterday, she signed up to our program and I said, look, something has to change. Like you have to start to do these things that we've spoken about or you'll st- everything will be the same as it always has been. I said, you're going to have to ask your husband, like, can you ask him to look after the kids two days a week so you can go to the gym? I can do that, Kitty. So I think sometimes too it's going, asking for help, thinking about how I can do things differently. Like you say, obviously it's not going to be as easy if you, as if you don't have kids. But like and most. I make the most of, you know, what you that's have. Right. Yeah. 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 Use your husband, you guys. Like I, I was on a sales call with this lady and she was like, because one of the questions I like to ask is, do you have a good support system in place? Yeah, like, yeah. Obviously this program is going to be different and it's going to be going to take a bit of time. And, you know, most of them are like, yeah, my husband's really supportive. And they're like, nah, you can count him. You can count him right off. And wow. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know if this is really going to work for you then. Like, you've got oh, that's so kids. crazy. Eh? Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know what to say about that, but like, <laughs> good luck there. <laughs> Step oh. number one, please make sure your husband's supportive because yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Some of those women say that to me too. And I think, oh man, you poor thing. But anyway, but yeah. So I don't, what we back to HIV. Um, I want to add too about the, yeah. the stability side of thing is yeah. that for me, because you know how we're talking about we're quite nervous system sensitive or brain, like if our brains are. <laughs> It affects things. Um, something I noticed that really affects me is if I'm focusing on something I can't control because yes. it's you look at the literature, anxiety. Well, the anxiety, but if you look at yeah, the literature, yeah. it shows that you're sympathetic with that fight or flight state, whether it's literally a lion right there about to chase you, yeah, or yeah. it's something that you're creating in your mind and you're, you know, obsessing over it and you can't control it. So there's nothing you can do to change the outcome and yet <laughs> you're still stressing over it. That is the exact same response on your body as that lion that's literally about to eat you. So it's like, <laughs> why are we stressing about that? But then it's easier said than done. So finding things that you can do, something that really helps me, which doesn't help everyone is journaling. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whoops actually really good, which is one of those tracking apps like the aura ring, because mm-hmm. it asks me every day. Now, how did you feel yesterday? You know, what was, mm-hmm. what was your day like? So I literally just like journal a few things there. I also journal in a notebook, but I just journal a thing, a few things there, because then I can look back. And if, if I see a trend, mm-hmm. and I've been stressing about something in particular, and I can see that trend affects my recovery. So I think it's really important as well to find whatever it is that you, if you are someone who really has an issue with things you can't control, like you're very much trying to control something and you can't control it and it's affecting you a lot, then it's really a good idea to find a way to cope with it so that you can actually put it aside mm. and accept it, whether that's like just brain dumping all your thoughts, which yeah. I love to do. I just brain dump yeah. and I, t- I look at everything that I've written and I'm like, what can I actually take action on now? And then take yeah. action on that one thing that you can do, you know, what, like for you with, with your pregnancy thing, that was probably like a big stressor. Because oh you- my God. It was like the most, like, and I look back now, I'm like, it's, you know, good learning experience, Kitty, <laughs> like good. It was shit at the time, but just for me, like it's always, you'll have to shift my perspective. Yeah. That's and like, I can instantly feel it. Like, it's so funny to yeah. Craig. Like I'd go through these stages when, and then I'd suddenly have this perspective shift and it would be gone. My anxiety would be gone. Like, and then obviously once we decided that we made the decision that we weren't going to have kids, it was like, I was instantly better. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like we've talked about too, like my body seems to be quite resilient to a high, like I can train a lot, I can work a lot. I can, I mean, I eat well and I sleep and, but the mental anxiety Mm. and just, it was so amazing. Like the cycle, how much it affected my cycle at my sleep. 
even though I was eating heaps of food, it didn't make a difference. Yeah. It's still that stress. Exactly. It's that, it's that bucket of stress. And that's very high amount for you personally, because it, you know, it meant a lot to you and you couldn't stop thinking about it. So it's probably I like, couldn't make it happen. It's for someone else doing a marathon that they haven't trained for. It would be equivalent. You know what I mean? Like it's stress is stress and you can't pick it. You can't pick what affects someone. So I think if it's something you can't control, it's, I highly, I highly recommend trying to find a way to get rid of that, um, to not to get rid of it because obviously you'll still think about it, but to cope with it, it's you got to find coping mechanisms for you personally. Otherwise it would just. Or acceptance. Hey, acceptance. acceptance, like accepting that this is out of my control. Like you say, it's harder said than done, but like. But I see it with yeah. clients with their fat loss, for example, or their muscle. Yeah. And, I, and I try to tell them, hey, we're not trying to get, because they're like, why am I not losing weight faster? I'm like, we literally can't control that. You can only yeah. control what you're doing yeah. each day. You can control all yeah. the actions you take. We cannot control what your body does inside. Yeah. And they carry on stressing about that. So it's, you know, if you can make it turn, put all that energy into your daily actions, put all that energy into something you can control. And that will yeah. take a huge load off your stress. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you and I talk about it all the time. Like, you know, I sort of think about it like lead and lag measures, you know, like the lag measures, the body composition. Yeah. The yeah. lead measures are. Am I good at squatting? You know, you would talk, we've talked about clients and they're so stressing about the numbers, but not even squatting properly. So like saying to yourself, I want to become an expert at the things that I need to do, like become passionate about being better at lifting, become passionate about like, you know, like this might sound a bit weird, but I actually really enjoy on the weekend sitting down and thinking about what I'm going to have for food. Yeah. Oh yeah. Next week. Like I like putting it in and going. That's like, like my highlight. Yeah. <laughs> like a Mexican theme this week. I did the chili con carne last night doing the Mexican bowl. You know, we we're talking about the Mexican bowl tonight yeah. and I like to plug it all in. And, you know, I also like knowing, like I know when I balance my meals, when I get enough protein, mm. when I eat regularly, I know like I sleep good. Yeah. I sleep well. Like that makes me feel happy. Like that consistency, I think so shifting your mindset from going, this is torture, it's restrictive to yeah. this is going to help me sleep and perform in the gym. And I get to, I get to decide, like, am I going to have chocolate ice cream tonight? Exactly. Or am yeah. I going to have sourdough muffins in the morning? Or what am I going to have for dinner? You know, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah 100%. And, for, and like whatever journey you're on, whether it's, you know, yeah. even just like trying for a baby or trying to get stronger or trying to lose fat or trying to improve your hormones or your health, you got to take that focus off the things you can't control and put mm-hmm. it on the things you can do. And those little and those little things like people, you know, people underestimate small things and how, how good it is for your nervous system and your recovery, focusing on them, like that security in life, just mm-hmm. feeling secure, knowing your food's ready and you know that's all it all helps and it's like that it all combines together to help you recover better as well um and yeah I think no matter what journey just that's a really big key is the mm. try and get the stress off the things you can't control because it's just going to eat away it's going to mm. eat at your stress totally take, get take excited get excited about the thing and get be like excited about being better at something yeah, 100%. acquisition and like that's exciting like we were talking about the training and mm. you know like if you're changing your exercise all the time, how are you ever going to get better? But, but like be excited about getting that extra kilo or that extra rep. Yeah. And, and being a- that looks so much better than the set from the week before and then comparing them, like that looked so right. much better. Like that's progress. Do you know what yeah. I mean? You're yeah. stronger, it looks smoother, you know, everything. It's all part of it. And but- you know, like, and Libby talks about this. I've heard you talk about this and so does Craig. Like, and I just have noticed it because I'm not a coach, but the women in our program have the best transformations. They're good lifters. Yeah. 100%. Like they're efficient. That they're, like, they're, for them. they're proper with it. Yeah. yeah. They take it seriously. And like Amy always says, it's um a practice. It's That's right. 
thing. Yeah. It's an art. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, And then also like along with that, I think what it does is it helps you become present and being present and in the moment is another way that you can be in that parasympathetic state where so many people have this tunnel vision focus. And I'm not just, it's not to say that having a specific tangible goal is bad, Mm. but it can make you very sympathetic driven because all you're thinking about is that goal. You're not thinking about being present. Whereas Mm. when you're focusing on these day-to-day things, even just even things that people think are, you know, maybe not important but maybe to you, it's important, like making your kitchen beautiful, making, you know, mm-hmm. making things convenient for you. Like just your, li- like your little life is important and have being in the present and being with your family and with your friends, that's actually really important. And if you want a good enough reason to do that, do it for your recovery. Cause it's yeah. going to make you get, build more muscle. It's going to make you healthier and all that. So I think taking not, we have to be tunnel focused and tunnel vision sometimes like when we're in like, you know, accomplished mode, yeah. but balancing that with just that being in the moment completely like you know be present being completely present that's super um parasympathetic and that's also going to help you be in that recovery state which i like to call it Mm. um so Um, activities that help you be present are good to add in like and look i'll be hands up i'm a bit shit at that you know like i'm always like (laughs) (laughs) you're like on to the next thing (laughs) that's right but like you know, like I, it's just finding joy, joy. And you still do, joy like, or yeah. you'll send, you know, you'll send us your new jeans you bought, or it's these yeah. little things. And people are like, you know, nobody's. You're so shallow for being, and I'm like, well, it actually makes me happy, and being happy is healthy. So I love clothes, all right, and shoes, and you know that just makes me happy. You're right. Okay, so back to the HRV. So. What do you think is the best? Um, you talked about the whoop. Do you think the whoop is the best way to track HRV? Is that the best thing? Um, it's actually not. The best way to do it is simply to get yourself a band, like a um, heart rate monitor band that you can wear around your. The one that you got me to get, the Polar. The Polar yeah. H10. Yeah. And then have the app, Elite Heart Rate Variability is my favorite. Yeah. It's called Elite HRV, the actual app. And mm-hmm. then you just do it once in the morning because you don't. So do you do it when you get up? Do it as soon as you wake up. So if you're going to take your temperature, you might as well just do it at the same time and make sure that you're staying in the same position. So either lying down or sitting up. I like to do it lying down because it's a little bit more of a, you know, before you actually get up in that. You just put, people can't see what I'm doing, but like you wear it and you wear it under your tits, basically. Yeah. You wear it under your boobs. Yeah. Yeah, Or guys guys under their boobs and make sure you wet, you get it wet. So you got to make it wet, put it on and then you download the app and it will set, you'll be able to set it up to test for three minutes. I like three minutes. You can do longer as well. And just lay there for three minutes. But make sure that you are breathing the same every time. So this is where box breathing is good. I like to do like, you know, three seconds in, three seconds out three seconds yep. in, you can do the hold as well. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter as much because it will slow your heart rate down. But if you're doing it the same every day, that's what matters. So the consistency in your breath work as well. And then you'll be able to see whether it's like um, you're more recovered or less recovered. It will tell you, and it will tell you your score as well. Um, like your actual number as well. So um, obviously it's very unique to the individual, right? The HRV. <laughs> so it's like, you're not comparing it to other people and you do just want to look for the trends. Is that how you do yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like if your temperature is constantly trending down yeah that would tell you like oh something's up with you know your thyroid or your hormones or your health but i feel like heart rate variability is a little bit more so about that stress and the um, nervous system than temperature so that way it's i find it more useful temperature is really 
good for other things like thyroid and health and, you know, all that. So would you say Libby then, because this is one thing I notice with fucking people too, is they get so fixated on one thing, you know, like they might get so fixated on the pulse or they get so fixated on the temperature or like, so would you say that HRV, you should use it in conjunction and look at oh, yeah. like as a yeah. whole? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I find that the more of an active individual, mm-hmm. if you have, if you're, if you're an athlete or you're into training, I find it's a lot more applicable. Yeah. So so you'd be sort of looking at it going, okay, like, so as an example, if I was like, not really sure if I'm hundred percent recovered yet, I don't like, you know, cause I think probably you can, and I can feel it. Like I, but say if I wasn't sure if I was like, no, I'm not feeling quite recovered. Should I train today? Is Mm. that something that you could look at and go? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I actually can wake up sometimes and it's not like I feel like I have high cortisol, but I feel like a little bit more, what's the word? I don't have that deep calmness about me. I yeah, feel yeah, yeah. a little slightly bit more kind of like, oh, agitated maybe, yeah. or, you know, and we do know that our cortisol rises mm, in the morning and yeah. it peaks by 8am. So it's, it's supposed to be higher, but I feel like sometimes when it's not quite balanced and then I'll take my heart rate variability and it really does reflect that it's, it's not, it's not a fluke. It's, your heart, your heart is racing, you know, or whatever the case may be. And it's showing you that. So in that case, I'll generally, I won't stop training or whatever, but I'll just, I'll just, you know, see how I'm feeling when I go to my training session, I might spend a little bit of extra time warming up, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then I'll definitely always do that cool down. I'll also spend time. I like to read books. Cause I find that always brings me. So mm-hmm. I'll spend like 20 minutes in the morning before I start work, just reading something, anything. And I, I like that go for a walk as well. Nature helps. Mm-hmm. And you can actually kind of, change the trajectory of where your heart rate variability is going by doing these things. Cause you can actually kind of train your body to go into that parasympathetic state. So, you know, maybe you just went to bed a little extra stressed or whatever the case may be, but you can kind of fix it as well. Um, so I, yeah, I think it helps in that way. If you, cause I just want to get the most out of my training. So, yeah. so I always build my muscle. Yeah. yeah. So I always want to make sure I'm training in the right state and I'm recovering in the right state, you know, not obsessively, but yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it really is a balance. Like Craig always tells me, so like, he's so funny too because I'm a bit more the other way with him. I think because of all that shit with the baby thing, I just think I've been so super sensitive to my sleep and cycle being out of whack. And like for me now, like sometimes I I think he thinks I've been a bit soft. He's like, you probably like you're fine to train. Like it's okay. Like you just you're not you know like I don't know like it's it's because of that particular. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. and usually he's, he's fine it, right and I think usually I just know like I know if I need to have a break like if I need to have a deload or but that could be obviously another way that you could and you can and I bet you can see now too like you'll know like you'll know when your HRV will be low like yeah. you can feel it right and then you test it and you're like and it's improved confirms it yeah. yeah you can also improve it like I've had it low in the morning and then I tested yeah. it at night and it's improved so it's gotten higher wow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so what H- HRV is or what heart rate variability is, it's actually the variation in time between heartbeat intervals. Yeah. So it's not even, it's not your, a lot of people think it's your heart rate or your heartbeat, but it's not, it's the variation in time between intervals. So the reason why a higher heart rate variability is what it is, is because it's actually, they're just more variable. So you're mm-hmm. actually going kind of in and out of sympathetic and parasympathetic and you're more flexible. And that's why these time differences between each beat become more variable when they become less variable. Mm. All, all that's happening is that um, the heart is telling the body that, Hey, you know, we need to 
decrease this variability. We need to get all our resources ready for something that's going to happen. So, you know, we, we need to be on guard. Um, it's like you're, you're less, there's less homeostasis. So mm. we want to try and, I guess, it's not so much about making it really, really high or heart rate variability, but it's knowing mm. our own baseline and what makes us feel good because everyone's different again. And then just, you know, keeping an eye on whether it's gone, it's dropped quite a lot as well. Mm. Um, because yeah, when it's compromised, even your immune system plays a big role. Like when I got COVID, because it's the only time I've really been sick in two years. So I don't have any other data on sickness, but when I got COVID, it trended down. And obviously what's happening is quite connected to inflammation as well. It's, it's mm. telling your body, Hey, we're less resilient right now. So there's less mm. variability between heartbeats. So everything's just like very much structured. We're not mm. flexible. We're not, you know, there's no variability in our nervous system and it's preserving, it's preserving its energy. And it's showed me that like days before I actually had any symptoms, um, mm. which is, yeah, it's really interesting. So it's connected to the immune system, which is actually connected to inflammation in the body as well. Um, well, I so- noticed it in my uh, aura ring that when I got sick, we were real sick last week, the first two days, it was so low. Oh, yeah. Now it's just gradually been coming yeah. up. You know, I was like, oh, it's cool, eh? Mm-hmm. Um, that it's just, so um, I'm just looking at the time. So, okay, let's talk about now. Let's talk about cardio. Okay. So again, from like I mentioned before, from what I you is that cardio can be very beneficial if done, it's the type and the dosage. So mm-hmm. like, as an example, when I used to be an idiot, <laughs> do all of the stupid things. So like I'd get up in the morning at 4am, drink my black coffee, and then I go to the gym and I do an hour of hit, like literally I sprint for 20 minutes, like on and off. And then I'd get on the bike and do that. So just excessive. I'd go for these long, crazy runs. Yeah. You know, I do heaps of those hit classes, mm. you know? So can you talk about the difference between like, what type of cardio is good and beneficial Mm. and then why this like that is probably not so great. Mm. So I think like it's important to also not, not be like demonize any one thing because they're Mm. all kind of useful, right. Mm. Depending on what your goal is, obviously you were like overdoing that particular thing, but I actually don't look at any type of training as inherently bad for you. Mm. I just look at it as, is it going to work towards your goals and can you recover from it? But there is one type of training that we can use, which actually improves our recovery. And Mm. that's that zone two state. So it's in Mm. essence, like it's basically more than just walking and how we're talking right now, our heart rate's probably at like 70, 75, right? Um, you go for a walk, you're probably going to get it up to like most people, like 90, 100, you know, like most normal fit people. Um, and then you want to go a little bit past that to get into that zone two state, which is where you'd want to be like, you know, 120, 130, 140, probably not above 155, 160. That's when you know you start getting into, which I was going to touch on what you were saying before. It's not actually true hit what you were doing because true mm. hit you can't actually recover from quickly and keep going. So mm. yours is what we, we like to call it, you know, anabolic threshold training or even aerobic threshold training. So anything that's pushing past that threshold um, is where you're going to start to experience that stress, right? And that anaerobic um glycolysis as well, which the by is the byproduct of glucose, glucose breakdown, which equals lactate. And mm. that in itself is kind of all the stressful 
energy systems, right? Um, what the aerobic one is doing, the byproduct under aerobic conditions is actually carbon dioxide. So you want to make sure as well that you're breathing only through your nose. So you're only doing nasal breathing. You're not used to, as soon as you start using your mouth to breathe and you're getting that out of breath feeling that's turning you anaerobic. So again, there's nothing wrong with it. And I still do it sometimes for my own training, but understanding that you don't want to spend every single day training in that state. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like how many days a week? Look, cause I see you do your sprints. You look like you're pretty fast sprinter, Libby. Yeah, I, I love <laughs> sprinting. I'm really bad. <laughs> Just quietly. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of more the even above that. That's that's when yeah. we're we're getting into like that power, you know. Yeah, so that's yeah, even yeah. that energy system. But you don't do that every day for like an hour. No, just once right. a week. If that's I, right. See, it's like yeah, so it's like yeah. the, the women I think that listen to this podcast, like they just do heaps of cardio all the time and they don't strength train. Yeah. Like they just think that that's going to get them the body that they yeah. want. No, that's not at all. Um, I think the the one that I'm talking about now, that zone two, I think that's actually probably a really good type of training to do if someone has any sort of, like if that window of tolerance that we were talking about, Mm. that window of resilience is really, really low, Mm. it actually helps to add this type of training in because what it's doing as well is it's boosts recovery, but it's also improving your state. So it's improving your ability to get into that recovery state quicker. Um, it's also improving like your work capacity for things like strength training. It really, really helps that. And I have a client at the moment, actually, she's has big sleep problems when she does any sort of lifting session. So she wakes up and she's like, I feel like I've had an adrenaline shot at like two 30 wow. and it's only after the weight training. And we're talking yeah. about like mild weight training, like body weight. <laughs> um, so I've started doing the zone two sessions and, you yeah. know, instead of the weight training and she's actually sleeping better and everything's improving awesome. and we're going to slowly bring into the weight training. So you know, it does help a lot because she obviously has issues with getting into that parasympathetic state at all. And Mm -hmm. when you're doing this properly, when you're tracking your heart rate and you're breathing properly and you're, you're actually focusing on it, you're not just distracting yourself and, you know, talking on your phone or whatever, then it will really definitely put your body in that parasympathetic state because in essence, it's a parasympathetic activity. So it's Mm -hmm. like breath work. It's similar. It's, you know, it's another parasympathetic parasympathetic activity um but again you can't be going like too hard because then it just (laughs) so it's the the important thing is and like when i've done it it's like you know you you told me to get the heart rate monitor and just watching it making sure it doesn't go above like 145 yeah Yeah, and making sure you can breathe through the nose and um like the duration too like 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 Um, so how the difference with like people are like well can't I just do my cardio my heart they'll they'll tell me my heart rate was Mm -hmm. high during my weight session it was like at 140 doesn't that count but the thing is it doesn't count because you have it consistently stay in that zone it's almost you get into this almost flow state it's like this zen where it's Mm. just consistently staying there and that's that's where the power is that's Mm. where really it affects your life if you can actually keep it in that state but I would just start with 20 minutes and build up to about 45 minutes you know you can go to 60 minutes after that there's not really any point and how many times a week like what would you start with one and then one and then bump it up to two if you have the time yeah Yeah. i think anything will help improve recovery even just once a week or even just like sessions of 30 minutes if you can do that and you can use any piece of equipment as well you don't have to use like a specific thing like a bike yeah Um, so find what you like to do like if i'm going to invest in this stepper yeah (laughs) Because yeah. it, it did, it does really help. Like if I've noticed, if I do it, if I'm, you know, that I think I messaged you saying I've had pushed it really hard in training. I was so fucking sore. I was just like, oh my God. So I did, did that instead of training and I did wake yeah. up the next day and the soreness was gone. 
And yeah. it was great. And, yeah. and you should sweat. Like you should get to that point where you're sweating. So it should be mm-hmm. more than walking for most people. Although, you know, for some people, they can only just walk because yeah. their heart rate will get that high. And as soon the second they do anything harder, it's just going to spike. So you got to start yeah. with what you can start with. Um, and for many people that's walking, even just like anyone who has had no experience with any sort of activity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely make sure, you know, you want to sweat a little bit and you should leave that session feeling better than when you started. You mm-hmm. shouldn't leave it, And it shouldn't be an adrenaline rush feeling better. It should be a very calm feeling like, oh, I feel so good right now. You know, I want to, I want to go pat my dog, you know, like mm-hmm. I just, like, it's so nice. Like it's, it's hard to explain, but you'll know when you feel it, it's not this like, adrenaline rush feeling that people want to get from those high intensity sessions it's a very different feeling and you know that you're in that parasympathetic state and that's yeah super beneficial to do between lifting days as well especially if you've struggled to days off yeah struggle with recovery and soreness and all that it will help as well for sure um yeah and so use that band what's it called again the polar polar i like the polar h10 just because i know it's the most accurate um And you can, there's an app that goes along with it, the Polar app. So you can just use it on your phone. You don't even have to get a special watch. Obviously, you can also use the Whoop. So if you use the Whoop, you just have the app and you can set it and it will track it. You can use Garmin that we have as well. That can do it. Um, You know, it's it's more accurate with a a chest band, but you can probably lift them up as well to these other things too. Okay. So start with one session of 20 minutes and then you can add another session in and then build up the time until you get to 60 And then that's probably after that, you don't need to do more than two sessions a week of 60 minutes. No, I would say if you can keep your heart rate in that zone um, and you're, you know, you you can obviously increase the intensity on the machine if you need to, but yeah, just maintain after that. There's no point doing, you're not trying to be an endurance athlete. You're just trying to improve your aerobic, you know, capacity in that. So, yeah. And then what about um, if someone likes some HIIT training, like you said, what, like proper HIIT training, how many sessions a week would be beneficial and for how long? Yeah. Um, I would do like at the moment, I'm only doing one hit and one aerobic, but I'm kind of at main, I can maintain that pretty well, but I would do either, you know, one session of aerobic and one session of that, or you could add an extra hit session in. I wouldn't necessarily need to, don't think most people need to do more than once a week with high intensity, Um, especially if you're lifting because it supplements your lifting. It's not like, you know, unless you have athletic goals, then you would have to do more, obviously. Um, Even when I was focusing primarily on my sprinting and I was really fast, I was only doing two actual sprinting sessions with a coach a week. Like that included yep. all the warm up and that. So it was a lot, but yeah. And so what did that entail? Like to give give us an example of what that would look like. How yeah, you would a lot it. less than what people think, but yep. you need, but you're going a lot harder. So um, obviously, you know, you want to do a proper warm up if you're going to sprint because you you can't just go straight into a sprint. <laughs> You know, some high knees and, you know, leg twists and all that kind of stuff, you know, maybe a 400 meter, just really slow jog to get warmed up. Uh, And then usually it will be just like, you know, two or three actual activities. So it might, we might start with like 50 meters, your 50 meters sprint, and then walking back hundred meters and you do that five times. And then we might do like a couple of hill sprints, like maybe five hill sprints, like just again, 50 meters walk yeah. back um and then you know we might finish with like two all out 100 meter sprints yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, depends. it completely depends there's a lot of programs you can download that's actual sprint programs for free um yeah. and you'll notice that it's not what people think it is it's not 100 you know burpees for time and it's none of that yeah. stuff that's not hit that's not actual sprinting which again those things are fine to do but they're just overdone that zone three and zone four, that's like what every, there's a whole culture on that right now. It's all the F45s. It's, you know. Oh my God, just smashing yourself. Um, yeah, some yeah. CrossFit gyms are like that. Others are better, but, you know, Orange Theory in the States, <laughs> all that spin classes. That's yeah. just way Oh, too- I still love spin yeah. classes. Every day I did it. Every yeah. day. 
And there's nothing wrong with that as well. Like I would not even mind jumping into a class now and doing it. I'd be fine. You know, Um, sometimes, you know, it makes you feel good. You feel like you did something hard, you know, but it's, it would never be the bulk of my training because it's not going to, it's too much. You're also paying a big recovery cost for very little gain. Yeah. And I think too, like so many women, like just get good at the strength training. Like, like if, say if someone was time poor, right? Like if to me, I would choose the strength training in the zone two. Yeah. I had to pick if I was like, okay, three days a week strength training, give it my best effort, do my steps, obviously. Oh, steps as well. Like walking is. I would probably pick if you were really, really time poor, I'd probably pick walking and strength training. Yeah. Um, And add the zone two, unless you're some, it's very individual because unless you're someone like my client who I spoke about in her situation, I've had a few people like that. I'd pick zone two first to just that base. Um, But yeah, I would pick walking and maybe one zone two and then do strength, two strength training sessions to start. Yeah. yeah, and really for like, and that's another topic we can talk about. Like, it's like another day, but there's a lot of women, you know, that, oh, I'm not getting the results I want. You know, should mm-hmm. I be training more days? But they're just not looking at the quality of their actual training and are they actually getting stronger? Yeah. And I think that so many women, like, if they just got better at the execution of the movements and, like you say, pushing close to that muscular failure. Yeah. Like that's when you're going to see good results. results. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And there's also studies that show that people who have better technique recover better, which, you know, is fair enough. That's interesting. If you, yeah, it's really cool. I just read it the other day. So if you have someone who does like poor technique and they're just, yeah. you know, using the wrong muscles, they're using a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, back movement and all that, their recovery will suffer more than someone who's done the exact same amount of volume and the exact same weight, but has a really spot on technique. So they'll be able to back it up sooner. Um, which that is must why, be why our recovery is good, Libby, because we're yeah, such an excellent technical technique. Yeah. And I think that's why it's important for people to work on their technique and not to be so obsessed with trying to just always get to some arbitrary number of, you know, yeah. hey. Well, I, all, I mean, I've been lifting for years and I still video my videos and send them to Craig for feedback. Yeah. And then it's not always good. Like I don't always, most of the time it's pretty good, but some also too, though, I don't know if you do this, Libby, but Craig will, over the years has changed his stance on some ways that he does exercises. So all of a fucking sudden, like, he'll be like, we're doing it this like, way. Now. Wait, like, you didn't tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> say, yeah. He makes these changes. Usually it makes it harder. And I'm like, oh God. But you know, like. I still send them to him and I know you still record your videos and for self, I watch them to myself and I send it to him and say, look, I think this could have been better or, yeah, you know, for so, sure. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely important. Like you can't mm. underestimate all these things for recovery and it's that accumulation. You mm. know, if you imagine if you also have bad technique and then you go straight to stay in that sympathetic state, you don't eat properly after you train and all these things combine. Of course, you're going to get injured. Of course, your recovery is going to suffer. You know, of course, you're going to have problems with backing up training sessions and you're eventually going to get burnt out. So it's like, I think it's important to look at that accumulation of everything in your life and even sit down and write down like, okay, so where do I feel my stressors are and what things fill up my cup, you know, and, you know, be really, really honest with yourself. You know, do you drink alcohol a lot? Like even just two times a week, that affects your recovery massively. Totally sleep. Hey, like even when I have two or three drinks, I sleep like If anything plummets your heart rate variability, it's alcohol more than anything else. So yeah, that's a huge one to like, you know, and just, yeah, be honest with yourself. Like it's not all about bubble baths. It's also about sometimes <laughs> doing the things that, that you don't want to do because you know they're good for you and they're going to benefit you in the long term. Um, yeah. well so yeah I think that's a good, a good activity to do if you yeah, really totally curious about your recovery yeah, yeah and if you want to put on more muscle tree or hopefully that you've listened to this podcast that you all really want to put on some more and plus you can eat more and you look better and like yeah. well I mean beauty's in the eye of the beholder you know like we said some women probably don't want to be as muscular 
Yeah, they don't want to be. That's fine. But but I'm sure everyone wants to eat more food. Yeah, and they'd still benefit from recovering in life in general. Mm. So yeah. Mm. True. <laughs> now, is there anything else that you want to add that I haven't asked you yet? Mm. I don't know. I think it's also important to think about inflammation and its connection to recovery as well, because a lot of people tend to want, like, you know, in the whole biohacking world like the crazy people are like all about inflammation is bad so they do everything like the ice baths and the crazy stuff but it's like we kind of want the inflammation to be there but again we want to we want our body to be able to handle it really well so the inflammation Mm. creates the growth and the and you can't get new muscle without inflaming it first so Mm. i think you know just again not going on to the opposite extreme and trying to do everything to mitigate all inflammation because that will work against you too and Mm. i see that sometimes with people like even just look at all their supplements and i'm like that's a lot of anti-inflammatories every single day like they're not bad but you know do you do you need them like What's the reason for taking them all, you know? Yeah. Oh, God, don't get us started on the, like, we obviously think that supplements are great. Like, we take supplements ourselves, but you want to have your Everyone's foundation. that we need, that we yeah. generally need for something. Yeah. Like, maybe we're not getting it through food, or maybe it's really, it's for convenience. Like, there's lots of different reasons, but yeah. Or you, yeah. just smash everything because you might not know, maybe it's actually inhibiting your muscle growth, some, some things, yeah. because it's switching off the inflammation so quickly. And you have yeah, to go yeah. through that to then rebuild the muscle fibers and you have to go through that inflammation. So, you know, instead try and think, how can I become more resilient to the stress so I can recover better? I think that's, that's a better right. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Build that resilience. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not about like, it's, it, you can't go through life and have no fucking stress. Like that's just, you're not living in a fucking bubble. Like, you know, you're, you're not a 1980s bodybuilder sitting, living on the beach in the sunshine, just fucking training and eating, you know? So it's like you say, like, obviously chronic ongoing stress, you have to address yeah, that. Address it and deal with but it. But you should be able to like handle some stressful days and like shit, shit happening and not like have a total fucking meltdown. But I think if you do all the things we talk about, like I, I'm so much more resilient out of stress than I was, you know, eight years ago, nine years ago when I ate fuck all and just did all the opposite to basically everything you've talked about. Mm. (laughs) But to widen that window, as I call it, you have to put in some healthy stressors. Otherwise Mm. it's never going to happen to you. You're going to stay really, Mm. you're going to stay really, um, what's the word intolerant to any stress. Mm. Mm. You got to push it in a smart way. Mm. And I feel like sometimes we don't, women don't trust themselves. They're like, I can't go, I can't go, you know, do that training program. I can't do that because I, I was so bad before and I stressed myself out. So I can't get back there, but it's like, why don't you change your mindset and think about how can I build the resilience and widen that window of tolerance so that I can be, be healthier than I used to be, but mm. still have all this, you know, the fun things in life, the stress, mm. the training, the, you know, building a business is stressful. Like we need that. We need resilience for that. Like if you're going to do anything with growth involved, it takes resilience yeah. but it's yeah. fun it's challenging and i like really like too to push the limits sometimes you know, think well, yeah. i'm not gonna die like you know you want to see as well how far your body can go how far you can take it yeah, yeah. But push the limit sometimes in a healthy way and just always bring it back to that recovery after you finish like straight back to the recovery <laughs> i'm obsessed with it i'm like okay we're pushing hard this week let's see all the things we can do to boost the recovery because we want more muscle yeah <laughs> of course <laughs> yes <laughs> Oh, so funny. Oh, well, thanks so much, Libby. Good timing. Oh, look, that lady's cancelled anyway, so that's all right. Um, um, but we've talked for quite a long time. But that was so amazing. Um, I'll put all of Libby's details 
in the show notes, go and follow her. She shares heaps of great information. She has an awesome membership site. So I think if someone can't afford to invest in coaching, like invest in her membership site, it's like really good, heaps of good information. It's like you do it yourself and it's really affordable um, too. So yeah. Um, we know that not everyone can always invest. Obviously, coaching is the best, but uh, <laughs> if you can afford it, I think it's beneficial. But um, yeah. yeah, so I'll drop all those details below and I'm sure we'll have you on the podcast again. Thank you. Thanks, so Bye. Bye.